Hello and welcome to Star Tracking, a Deep Space Nine podcast. This week we discuss episode 7 of season 4, Little Green Men. to think about that from Final Fantasy 8 to 10 like one was coming out every year they were just pumping them out back then wait 8 to 10? yeah like 8, 9, really? and 10 came out in uh, subsequent years huh go look it up I, if you don't believe me because I, I just read I read an interview with the director of Final Fantasy X. I believe that with nine, because I want to say that that was in development at the same time as eight. Like those were concurrent. But like I thought that ten had like a few years after nine. I mean, I'm sure it took a while to make, but they were still getting them out every year. Are you telling me this company came up with VV and Titus at the same exact time? Probably. What the fuck was going on at Square? 1999, Final Fantasy VIII. 2000, Final Fantasy IX. 2001, Final Fantasy X. Oh, and 2002, Final Fantasy XI, although that doesn't really count. But... Yeah, that was a... Yeah, I'm still surprised that the online Final Fantasies are actually given numbers. Yeah, they shouldn't be. Uh, no. And, and then after that, 2006 Final Fantasy XII. PlayStation yeah, but, 2 game in 2006. Like, if you think about it, though, if you removed those online games from the numbering, we would be up to Final Fantasy thirteen right now. And when you sit down and sort of think about Okay, these games came out a year apart for a while, but boy, nowadays. Well, yeah, that's part of the interview is he's like, yeah, we couldn't do that now. <laughs> like, no. There's a whole lot of stuff going into these things. The The best part of that interview is where they ask him about Blitzball. And he says that basically Blitzball was all his idea and he just did it because he thought it was neat. And it originally was not going to be required for the story or anything. At some point, I guess they were just like, ah, well, sure. Now you have to play Blitzball. And he says, the quote was, uh, I am sorry for any fans who had to suffer because of that. <laughs> Apology accepted. Yeah, it, it's weird because when you look at Blitzball in the... Like, I think you're able to come back and just do that sort of whenever. Like, yeah. that was supposed to be that game's version of, like, Tetramaster. Yep. Uh, yeah, those those weird side game things in Final Fantasy that started with, like... It was, like, 8, 9, and 10 that did that. 7 didn't have any kind of, like, persistent mini-game thing. Snowboarding! Well, not that's not quite the, the same. Like, I 8 know. had that card game, and 9 had a card game as well. Where, like, you could keep coming back to it was the whole point. There was more to it than just visiting it once as a set piece. Yes. Uh, which is what 7 had. 
And like it had a bunch of that stuff too, and it was all fucking garbage. Yeah. Decide who gets to play what instrument in this dumbass song for weirdos. Uh, also, part of that interview, uh, they mentioned the uh, the lightning dodging thing and the chocobo racing. And the interviewer asked him, like, you know, that stuff was pretty rough. Like, did you ever actually complete those? And uh, the the director was like, well, I did finish the lightning striking thing. <laughs> and that was it. It's like, I... Even the I'll director of the game acknowledging that chocobo racing is worthless. Yep. Loved it. Yeah, the the whole... Maybe one day we will sit down and talk in depth about some Final Fantasy games in Maybe. particular that I've played. Maybe in fact, possible. hold on a second. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to vamp right now. You didn't provide me clear and explicit instructions, so I'm going to keep talking. Uh, Suikoden is another okay. series. That I have. I have not... Thank God he's back. I have the magazine. This is uh, the newest issue of Game Informer. Mm. Uh, here's the interview. I find. Okay. The laughing scene has become an infamous part of the game. How did you feel about players' reaction to it? Even in the real world, actions taken by two people in a budding romance are generally embarrassing memories when you look back on them. <laughs> I believe that this scene depicts that mental state very well. The scene, of course, is still made fun of by fans, but I imagine that's because it greatly touched, quote, something in everyone's heart for it to be such a memorable scene even after 18 years. I like the savagery of this interview, just sitting this man down and being like, yo, why was Final Fantasy X fucked up? <laughs> Uh, I, I was going to say Final Fantasy VII, like, when I played that game last, I approached it from this perspective of, I'm going 100% this Final Fantasy. Like, I'm going to I'm going to see absolutely everything that Final Fantasy VII has to offer, all the stuff that was too difficult for me as a kid, like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to commit. And part of that meant breeding chocobos, and I got, like, a little bit into that and remembered how bullshit it was and why I did not 100% Final Fantasy VII as a kid. And so in that instance, I specifically looked up speedrunning strategies on how to very quickly get that shit done. And there's like a 15-minute-ish series that of actions that you can take that like tricks the random number generator into giving you the specific chocobos you want very quickly. So like that's the only reason I ever... Like, that's the only time I ever bothered with Chocobo breeding and racing, because it sucks in every game that it's in. It does. And that's, like, the only Final Fantasy that I've 100%ed. And it's exp it's entirely because I was able to cheat the game. Uh, the actual quote from the Blitzball segment. Uh, however, Blitzball eventually... I'll just say the whole thing. Uh... Before the game released, did you think Blitzball would be a divisive part of the experience? No, we did not imagine this reaction. Blitzball was something that I pretty much created on my own, half of it was for my own enjoyment as well. This was because we originally did not plan for it to be something that was necessary to play in order to progress the story, but to keep it as an optional feature where 
only the players that wanted to play would take a detour, like the secret minigame 15 puzzle in the original Final Fantasy. However, okay. Blitzball eventually became a mandatory route for the story, and the game was changed so you needed to play Blitzball to obtain a powerful weapon. I do feel sorry to have made some fans suffer because of this, but it would be appreciated if you can regard it as a characteristic of games from that era. Sorry, some PlayStation 2 games were uh, not so good. <laughs> that is... Everyone, uh, I like that. I I like that dumb, obviously false theory that there was like a minor gas leak in Square when they were making Final Fantasy VIII, and that's why that game is so weird. <laughs> but like, actually, I think that if that were the case, it would have probably been the development of Final Fantasy X. Because I can't explain why you would make Blitzball for your own amusement, let alone like hit a point where it is actually mandatory in the game look i'm just saying that's directly from the mouth of a game director yoshinori katase thanks katase uh speaking of video games you and i talked about this a little bit already uh i am playing blazing chrome yeah i also have been playing i played a little bit of it it's a teeny tiny you played a smattering of blazing chrome i played a I smidgen have... yeah I've uh, technical term smidgen. Mm -hmm. uh, I've beaten it. I've played keeping helping. But yeah, you know what? Yes, yeah, beating that kind of game single player, I deserve a pat on the back. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Yeah, here comes the pat. You ready? Yeah. Uh huh. Feels good. There you go. I deserve. I am special. I'm good at video games. You're my special little boy. Ah, oh, thank you. Uh, actually, like, having played a lot of the Contra games, Blazing Chrome is comparatively very easy, uh, but still pretty difficult, just sort of in, like, the general landscape of games nowadays. Sort well, of I, like um, I know a little were... game called Bloodstained yeah. Curse of the Moon. Well, uh, I know you were expecting it to be like Contra Hardcore, and as yes. I told you before you played it, I had played it a bit earlier, um, that it's really more Contra 3, and a bit yeah. of Metal Slug. A lot of bit of Metal Slug. There's mm. a, mostly in like the animation quality. Yeah, not a bad thing. Uh, no. no. For not me, a... it's mostly the melee and the vehicles. Yeah, the me yeah, I was going to say in the melee, too. Definitely feels very Metal Slug-esque. Yeah, but I, I see a lot of people comparing it to Contra Hardcore uh, just in reviews and, you know, general write-ups about that game and impressions. And uh, I think a lot of people have seen Contra Hardcore and have not, like, laid hands upon Contra Hardcore. It's like, I, to a degree, I get it. Like, the music is very Genesis-esque. Uh, I think, like, the general graphics... Bill Collins is next. The graphics look like they're out of the Genesis, but animation's more like a Metal Slug. Uh, but it doesn't have like the the attitude that Contra Hardcore has for starters. It's Contra Hardcore was fucking ridiculous. It, it was also, goofy as hell. It didn't it take itself seriously in the slightest. It doesn't have like really good like voice clips like. Marco, Tarma, sure. Heavy yeah. Machine Gun, Rocket Launcher. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. It does have a really good voice sample of, like, super muffled, going like, Let's lose some chrome when you start it. <laughs> and I like that a whole lot. Yeah, like, the actual audio compression on the voice samples is, like, feels very authentic to me. Uh-huh. It's terrible to the point where, at many points in that game, I do not know what the fuck they are saying. <laughs> me too. I, I enjoy like, how the bad guys are called toasters. Yes, I, I really like that too. I think there's some good... The, the, the thing that I really love from that era of games uh, that's maybe more prevalent in uh, shoot-em-ups, but it definitely is in Contra, is where like the further in you get, the more it's like metal meshing with like organic, fleshy, pulsating stuff. It can, yeah, it could probably just be traced back to Contra, I would guess. And the uh... yeah, yeah, I I do wonder if there's some shoot 'em ups that maybe predated because I know oh, it's in a lot of those. Yeah, it like uh, Life Force has a yeah. lot of that. Salamander, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, uh, it, it does that though in later levels. I like that a whole lot. Uh, I really like the game. I'm I just think that. It, it plays, as you said, it plays a lot closer to Contra 3, so, like, the hardcore comparison, I think, is a little bit lost on me in that regard. And uh, in terms of, like, general, like, tone and attitude, I think Blazing Chrome, despite its name and the fact that it does open on someone going, like, let's blaze some chrome, uh, kind of self-serious. Not a whole lot of chrome blazing, in fact. No. Uh, but, yes, specifically, Contra Hardcore is fast. Like, that thing yeah. looks like a Benny Hill sketch. Like, everything in it is running at, like, 150% speed. There's also just so much stuff flying at you on that screen at once. Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. That game starts with Whereas... the, the trucks, like, smashing through everything, and you just hop out into the street. It's like, okay, yeah. go. Yeah, that's the thing. The, the, like, that, I think, is uh, up front, right at the start, a very key difference, at least in terms of tone. It, uh, between the two games is in Contra Hardcore you just barrel onto the scene running dudes over and then you crash and fly out of the windshield and immediately you're in the shit and you're shooting guys mm-hmm. as Contra Hardcore in a nutshell like it, the, the first few seconds of that game establishes exactly what it is uh, Blazing Chrome doesn't really have a big loud intro in that same sense Uh it's still a perfectly fine, fun game. Um, I like I, the I do think that there's of the characters. Yeah, I, I, like... I like the main lady and the robot man. Yes, I like the ninja dude who is very clearly just their take on uh, Ryu Hayabusa. Sure. Um, in that he looks exactly like him. Uh, yeah, the, the, there's some gameplay stuff that's not sitting well with me, like the fact that. You know, the thing with Contra Hardcore was you have all these different characters and they are unique. They have different uh, movement tech associated with them. Uh, like Brownie has a double jump and he is half the height of the other characters. So don't really need to crouch with him like you would with everybody else. Yeah. Um, but in Blazing Chrome, you just have uh, four characters and you can divide them two by two into either like your long range category or your melee. And they control exactly the same. So there's you may like characters, there's no difference between them. The shooter characters no difference. This is uh, the main disappointment Hardcore, for when me. When you picked up a weapon, all four weapons were unique per character. It's not the case in Blazing Chrome. Every four weapons you pick up is the same between 
the two shooting characters and then the melees doesn't even matter you don't get anything from yeah that was my main disappointment is also because i don't really like any of the weapons the grenades fine the rest of them bah, whatever yeah the the grenade has like a good punch to it like it feels good to use but also the grenade feels like your like low tier weapon upgrade in contra hardcore like that's the one where you get in you're like oh this is fine but like everything else feels so much better yeah there's no spread gun in this which i yeah. find unforgivable it's also kind of baffling because like spread guns are the thing that exists in all of those kind of games like it's not in this one yeah or even like well metal slug doesn't really have one but it does have the heavy machine gun which you can just kind of go up and down and you can put a whole lot of bullets out there and functionally basically the same thing Uh, where's the homing missiles why is that not like a weapon exactly instead you got this dumb little whip thing that sucks that blows lasers there's a weapon like that in contra hardcore that i think they're very specifically trying to reference with that but it also is not it it feels better in Contra Hardcore for sure, but it's well, also not the weapon you want to use. The one in Contra like seeks out the enemy, and you kind of just hold the button, and it just like zooms yeah. around on them. This one, like you have to manually. It's more like um, an alien soldier, you know the the flamethrower in that. Yeah, except the flamethrower and alien soldier deals like a lot of damage. Yes, and alien like, soldier. That's actually. Oh yeah, it is. Someone look there. We got a new Castlevania, basically new Symphony in the Night. On top of that, uh, we have Blazing Chrome for the people who like uh, Contra and Metal Slug games. Where's the small team of first-time developers doing the Alien Soldier spiritual successor? That's what I want. Yeah, or Do just that. like anything from Treasure, basically. Like, where's yeah. my Astro Boy Omega Factor reboot? I love Astro Boy Omega Factor. It's the best treasure game. Sorry. Not sorry. Mmm. You say so. Yeah. I don't know. You mentioned you mentioned your weird Final Fantasy thing. Second I've been playing best, video games too. But second best treasure game? Buster Bust Loose. That's a pretty good game. Yeah, it is. I'm playing a, another great game, a Birth by Sleep. I'm going to see some kids get norded in that. I love it. Yeah, speaking of uh, Square loving to put uh, huge time sinks in their games to make you unlock everything, they're still doing that. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> Can't wait for Blitzball to be required in Birth by Sleep. Uh, Birth by Sleep has a Fortune Street in it. Like a, oh, an no. off brand Fortune Herbal. Street. I love it. Love Fortune the interest Street. Rates. Hey, eight, 18 minutes in. Uh, this is Star Tracking, a Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm Larry Davis. With me is George Brundle. We're experts in this particular field. Yeah. And this week we watched Season 4, Episode 7, Little Green Men. Yeah, uh, this starts, uh, we start out with uh, Rom, uh, and he's telling everybody who is uh, assembled here that Nog uh, is heading off to Starfleet Academy, you know, the Long, long-running storyline is finally starting to bear some fruit, That's and true. Uh, it is a Ferengi tradition uh, that he, uh, when when they when they go off and they become men, uh, they sell all their childhood possessions so they can raise capital. Because, as you know, the Ferengis 
Uh, their entire culture is basically based around capitalism on steroids. Yeah, I mean, it's all about profit. Like, yeah, I mean, you don't have to tell me, and I don't have to tell you. Like, you know, we, we're both, no. we're deep into this at this point. Yeah, well, we've watched all the previous uh, series, as everybody knows, and we've caught up on all of the movies, so we're yeah. current. Uh, in fact, I think you have a little bit of uh, Star Trek news, right? We we oh, got some information yes. on Picard. Yes, exciting stuff. So, uh, there were there have been some new images that have come out from the Picard series. They'll be coming soon to CBS All Access. Uh, he has a dog now. Everybody mm. likes Picard dogs. It kind of looks like the one John Wick gets at the end of the first movie. <laughs> uh. Oh no! But it, yeah, Picard reloading his phaser while just gushing blood, <laughs> uh, just looking haggard. Uh, so, but everything here for Picard so far has kind of been focused on the vineyard, you know, as seen at the end of All Good Things, the TNG finale, as we both. I know. could, I could wash, I could watch that man swish wine in his mouth. For ages. Well, good, because you're probably going to, because as far as I can tell, that's what this is about. But there was a bit in a trailer where um, he, they mentioned that he's an admiral now. If you remember, like in Generations, uh, Kirk tells him like not to take a promotion to stay as captain, because yeah. like Kirk obviously regretted becoming admiral. Uh, he wanted to be like hands. He wanted to be in the shit. Uh, and so like, I think Picard is probably not that satisfied with his essential retirement. And, you know, yeah. he still has residual guilt over Data, like, sacrificing himself to save him at the end of Nemesis and all that business. Yeah. Boy, man, we it's been, like, what, ten weeks since we did our Nemesis episode? And I feel like we have talked about it every single week after that. Well, it, it's hard not to talk about Tom Hardy yeah. as a Borg. Well, sure. Also, like, very important, obviously, to the larger lore of the Star Trek universe. Very difficult to sort of divorce ourselves from that. Uh, but hopefully yeah, well, we move on soon, because we got, like, another whole couple of goddamn series after this, because we're going to be doing this podcast until we die. Yeah, I mean, we've got... Uh, next up would be Voyager... Then oh, oh, Enterprise. Ugh. It's gonna be rough. Really want this to be over. Well, <clears throat> it's not gonna be anytime soon. So buckle up. Hey, Larry Davis. Hey, what? George guess who Brundle. else is? Uh, guess who else is here at this uh, fucking Ferengi spot meet? Two. Worf. I hate Worf. Worf is back. I don't like Worf. I have to turn my fan down. I love Worf. Why do you like Worf so much? Because Worf's such a goober. He really is. He's... I don't know why Worf's here. I'm just, like, really imagining what Worf was like back on the Klingon homeworld. Well, nobody liked him. He's an (laughs) outcast. No, they couldn't. Of course he is. Um, Look, but this is know, like Worf can... is here and is just like, why? Why did you fucking drag me here? Like, 
I'm saying like you get transplants from TNG. You get uh, Chief O'Brien. Great, love mm-hmm. him. Love me some O'Brien. Uh, I love how uh, pretty much every episode about him is focused on him suffering in as many ways as possible. Um, yeah. and you know what? He keeps on trucking. Yeah. Uh, Worf sucks. Right. I wish he hadn't come in. Uh, I wish he had just stayed and died on whatever else he was going Smarty to be doing. God. You and your long-term established hatred for Worf. I had to hear all about it during TNG. And then, of course, he fucking shows up in this, and I knew you were going to start this shit up again. Well, yeah, what do you expect? I like Worf. Everyone likes Worf. You are the odd man out on this. <laughs> I I could uh, link you some things that say otherwise. True Star Trek fans, true Trek heads love Worf. Yeah, whatever. I'm they a also Worf like the boy. Wrath of Khan. The, in spe- fact, speak of this, the one <laughs> well, we talked just... about... The one we speak we talked about last week, uh, Starship Down, which took place the episode right before this. Uh, I don't have to restate that, I guess. Is no, a much I've better like that one. yeah, it's a much better like submarine movie than the Wrath of Khan is. It's, yeah. it's just way better. It has Major Kira in it? Wrath of Khan doesn't. I still, still like Wrath of Khan. I still like Wrath of Khan. I still like Major Kira. Oh, does not appear in this episode. I think it it says something about Star Trek that there's a little bit of something for everybody. That's true. Yeah, that's why it's endured for so long and for literally no other reason than that. Yeah, that's why there's a very good show out now. People really seem to like. Uh, yeah, well, we will get to it eventually. Unfortunately, yes. they've made a lot of Star Trek, so it is taking us forever to get there. That's right. I can't wait until we get to the episode of Voyager with The Rock, where he does a rock bottom on an alien. Yeah. Which which Star Trek character do you think is the biggest candy ass? And don't say Worf. Dr. Please Bashir. Don't. Well, no. Okay. Actually, be Vedic Burial, uh, also from mm. Deep Space Nine. He really sucked. He's dead now, though, thankfully. You remember that. Yeah. He got exploded, I believe. Well, he was taken off of life support, but sure. (laughs) I mean, that's... That's kind of like exploding. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, we gotta move on from this goddamn (laughs) freaky farmer's market that we have going on. (laughs) Oh, it, it's a it's a sacred <laughs> institution, Frangie Flea Market. I give a fuck for Frangie's culture. <laughs> wow, <laughs> coming out hard against Frangie now. It's been simmering uh, under like, the surface this whole time. I want to see the Frangie socialists because you know that there's got to be like a few of them on that planet. Like not all of them ha- like see completely eye to eye with capitalism. Like, I want to see the wharf of the Ferengis. Yeah, like a Ferengi outcast. Yeah. Obstensibly, it seems to be Nog, because they don't like the fact that he's going to Starfleet Academy. Like, they yeah. don't like Starfleet. Uh, but Nog, as we find out, still real quick to get in on some scheming. So I don't quite get the outcast vibe from Nog no. uh, in the way that, obviously, you do with Worf. 
uh, who is a dweeb, a dingus, a lovable goofus, uh, who also, who also, uh, while perusing uh, Nog's wares, uh, finds a Ferengi tooth sharpener and just jams it up into his mouth. I did like this bit. Like, this is the yeah, one thing like, from Worf so far in DS9 that I have liked. Like, it, I get maybe him, like, kind of touching it a little bit just out of morbid curiosity, but then he has this moment where he's like, hmm. Also, Nog, Nog sells Dr. Bashir his porno. Where <laughs> <laughs> he just, like, picks up a Hollow Sweet program and Nog's like, yeah, this is my favorite, a visit from the pleasure goddess. <laughs> just buying porn from this child. <laughs> uh, he's also like, didn't he pilfer some items from people's rooms and is also selling that too? Oh yes, okay, yeah, that uh, Major Kira does show up because yes, it was her uh, spring ball racket or something. Also, I like uh, in true Star Trek uh, tradition, many of the the items that are laid out before you. You have not a single fucking clue what it could possibly be. No. Here's some metal rods that just stick up from, like, a plume or something. I'd figure it out. It's just something they glued together from whatever they could find yeah. in the prop room. Oh, God. I love it. I love it. Uh, anyway, Quark's got some but- news. Yeah, Quark's got a ship. Uh, it was given to him from uh, Gala, uh, his cousin, and he wants Rom to uh, come check it out. By the way, speaking of goofuses, uh, I love Rom, uh, who talks like a, a fucking Kids in the Hall character. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> does everything with Rom is like, oh, well, brother. And just of course yeah he he has a very goofy vibe about him <laughs> uh but rom uh despite his appearances despite the fact that he's just a slobbering fool uh a, a caricature perhaps out of some sort of like 1930s political cartoon <laughs> um <laughs> disparaging some race of people i i don't know what uh, it would be <laughs> me either <laughs> just just rom and what rom drawn precisely in that style just injected into an otherwise normal political cartoon but it just says capitalism on him <laughs> he's got a big money bag the ferengi control hollywood that's the thing <laughs> all right well you said it not me hey uh anyway rom uh he is crazy about this ship he's just like this is a a super fast ship uh it's in great condition wouldn't you know gala didn't screw you over so uh quark wants to make a profitable trip in the ship and invites uh rom along and tells him to go grab nog and he's kind of dressing it up as like oh i'm gonna go take my favorite nephew to starfleet academy Mm mm-hmm uh, when really he wants to go to Earth uh, to get one over on some rubes. Well, he's gonna s- do some smuggling. Some chemo site. Yeah. Which, you know, 
I don't have to tell you what chemocide is, obviously. No, of course not. But, 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 for the sake of the for the sake of the audience, for the people who are maybe just joining us, why don't you tell us what chemocide is? Uh, well, it's a mineral. Uh, it's a regulated substance. It's a it's contraband. Would you call it a radiolytic compound? Mm, I mean, it's an isotope. So yeah, like sure. Yes, I, I guess... of a radiolytic compound. Sure. You know. Well, it, it kind of doesn't matter because. Uh, Look, I'm not a scientist. Of... I just watch Star Trek. Yeah, it, it doesn't really matter because there's a whole lot of girl. stuff like this that's just brought up once and then never shows up again. I mean, the chemocide's important in this episode. It is. Uh, not just as, like, the, the impetus for Quirk's plotting, but actually is kind of what helps get everybody out of a, out of a jam later on. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, so, what so it th- is doesn't really matter. Sure. Uh, I forgot to mention also before they go on this trip uh, that Nog is uh, basically given an iPad that's loaded up with all of Earth's <laughs> history, literally all of it. Yes. And this is like um, one of the best bits in the episode, too. Yeah, because Nog going on this like days long trip over to Starfleet is just absorbing all of this human knowledge, which is obviously going to become important later on. Otherwise, it wouldn't set this up. Um, but it turns out Gala did get one over on Quirk because the hyperdrive is sabotaged. Yeah. Uh, meaning they can't get out of it, which is fucking terrifying if you think about it. Yep. Uh, but I think it's at this point that Nog comes up with his uh, data pad and it's just like, hey, weird, doesn't this guy look a lot like Captain Sisko? Which, of course, is a <laughs> callback to uh, Past Tense, where Sisko uh, inserted himself as leader of a uh, rebellion or a mob or whatever. The best part is Quirk looks over at it and basically says, Yeah, they all look the same to me. Yep, all humans look alike. I appreciate that Quirk really uh, commits to calling humans humans. Yeah. I love Quirk. Um, Me too. But yes, they they find out that the ship is uh, sabotaged, basically like being in a car where the brakes don't work, but also the car is just getting faster and faster and faster and faster. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, like I said, terrifying. Yeah. Uh, And then... Rom chimes in and has a great plan to basically use the chemocyte in the back to uh, basically cause a reaction that should bust them out of hyperspace. Uh, Because, again, despite his appearances and the way he talks, Rom is the smartest man in the room. Yes. Also, really good bit before this where Rom was aware of him smuggling the chemocyte, and he's just like, hey, you know, you can cut me in. Just give me twenty percent of the profits, and then uh, asks Nog, and Nog's like, "Well, uh, as a member of Starfleet, I would have to report any sort of smuggling operation, but I'm not there yet, so I'll take ten percent." Yeah, that's sort of what I was getting at earlier about how like Nog's not a true fish out of water outcast type because he's still willing to get in on it. 
No, no, definitely not. Like, their mother is actually probably the closest thing, uh, because, as you know, Ferengi women are not allowed to make profit, and yet uh, she made quite a bit from a beetle farm, as we found in a previous episode. Yeah. And caused an audit from the great Brunt, played by Jeffrey Combs. We love. Mm. Yeah. Right? Come on. Yeah. You yeah. love Jeffrey yeah. Combs. Yes. He's yeah. from Castle Freak. Herbert West, the reanimator. Oh, here we go again on this podcast bringing up Castle Freak. Big fucking shock. I can tune my watch to that as much as I can you talking trash out of Worf. I love Castle Freak. Yeah, great. I can't help it. Yeah. There's a little so Castle Freak doing... in all of us, okay? Or are we doing the thing that we always do every time we bring Castle Freak up where you make me pick a page out of the script and then you read it? No, not this time. Okay, all right, fine. Anyway, uh... This plan of theirs, uh, it works, but also it backfires. It does get them out of hyperspace, but uh, wouldn't you know it, they done did a time travel. Oops. Not again. <laughs> I do like this idea, though, of like if they traveled to the same time that Cisco and gang traveled back to, and then they kind of run into each other, and then they <laughs> complicate that shit even more. I like how they just like wake up like in a morgue, basically, like yes. laying on tables with sheets over them. Yeah. Uh, so they they have uh, traveled back to 1942 in uh, Roswell. If you haven't figured it out now with the title of the episode and the fact that they've time traveled to Roswell, they are the Roswell aliens. It's not 42, by the way. It's like 40. Bye. What? Ever. Uh, 1947, apparently. Okay. Look, uh, look that up. Uh, yeah, so uh, they wake up, and uh, kind of the first hurdle that they have to get over is their translators aren't working anymore. Yeah, uh, and they're being watched by sort of the four main human characters here, which is this guy that kind of looks like Robert Patrick. Uh, yeah. the, this nurse who's his girlfriend who has a giant mouth. Um, oh yeah, and they will not shut the fuck up about how they are boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, they went like, every every single know. thing. Yeah, it's always just like, oh yeah, you would remember that because we're in love and we're going to get married. <laughs> like this really stilted, consistent reminder that these two are seeing each other. It's to the point where it makes you think one of them is going to die. Well, also, like, everything about them is that. Like, at the end of the episode, and obviously I'm jumping way ahead here, but when she's just sort of like, I hope that one day aliens from various planets are able to come together in some sort of, like, federation of planets or something. And she says, like, alliance of planets, I think, and then Rom corrects her and says federation, and Quark's like, don't listen to him, he's an idiot. Shut uh, up, Rom. <laughs> Ixne on the Adoration Fay. Uh, but yes, the okay. So there's those those two goobers. And then there's like this soldier guy who's an idiot too. And then the great Charles Napier, uh, who you've seen in everything with a military guy in it. 
Yep. Silence of the Lambs actually probably the most recognizable role, I would guess. He got his yeah. face eaten. And that basically the breakdown is uh, the boyfriend girlfriend. They are the good guys. They are trying to help Quark and company out. And then obviously the the, the two military dudes. Uh, they kind of just want to do a killing. Yeah, and the they, they want to cut them open. They all take any excuse to yank their guns out and hold them up. Like they yeah. do it constantly. Hey, it's like real life, am I right? Oh. <laughs> hey, ooh. <laughs> nice. The JROTC people made fun of me a lot in high school. <laughs> you can't imagine why. <laughs> I went as solid. I, no, I went as naked stick for Halloween one year. One of them got so fucking pissed off that I was in a military uniform. <laughs> Stolen snake valor? <laughs> That's right. Man. Oh god, the JROTC kids always were the fucking worst. I believe it. Oh god, like, yeah, look at you, you really want to be in the military, man, you're just gonna rub it in everyone's faces. You're gonna die really, in the all desert you're doing somewhere. Is, all you're doing really, though, is just dressing like a jackass, learning how to fold a fucking flag, and run around before school starts. Great, good oh, for you, Wow, you look dick. at you. Look at you, you can, like, uh, twirl a stick around. Just because a stick is shaped like a gun doesn't make it impressive. Yeah, good, great. When you're under fire in Iraq, just trot on out there with your stick. They won't shoot you at all. Uh, Anyway, now that we've effectively showed it to the JROTC... Yeah, suck it, JROTC! Got him! Boom! What's it like, JROTC, to get ruthlessly dunked on in a fucking Deep Space Nine podcast? Because <laughs> I know you're all listening. Anyway, their uh, oh. translators don't work. Yes, yeah. Um, so they, they're they like all like bapping their heads trying to get the translators in their ears uh, to start working again. And then uh, the, the, the goobers and and the military they're watching this and they start doing the same thing as a form of mimicry they think it's like a salutation of some sort mm-hmm. um, obviously it's um and nog recognizes them too like he's the one who's like oh we're in the 20th century yeah um I'm trying to <laughs> i'm sorry i'm trying to remember something <laughs> Well, anyway, they realize they're just mimicking them, and, like, Quark goes up and just wiggles his nose around, and the idiot soldier guy does it too, and Quark's like, Okay. These people are dumb. I remember now something that I had forgotten to mention. I was trying to make sure and go back and remember if it actually happened, Uh, but that Odo, uh, before they go on the trip, approaches Quark and is just like, Hey, I know you're scheming something. Oh, yes. Smooth cop on the case. Yeah, uh, worth mentioning there because uh, it comes up again uh, somewhat soon. Uh, but eventually, they they get their uh, translators to start working again. They borrow like a hair clip and they hit the factory reset button. <laughs> yes, it just digs around in Nog's ear. Yeah. By the way, this happens like a lot in this episode. I don't think there's any one particular point worth bringing up, but 
Rom and Nog are horny for the officer lady. Yeah. Look at her mouth. It's... Yeah, you can fit a whole Ferengi ear in there. That's right. She could just swallow I mean, you whole. You see how close Nog is to orgasm when she just rubs his ear. Imagine if she puts her mouth on it. Oh, man. This this is a fan fiction in progress. But there's a good bit here, too, where they're trying to figure out the dynamics of the Ferengi. And, like, they start to wonder if Quark is the mother. And he's like, boy, oh, yeah. must be a real shrew. As Quark's just, like, they're screaming at Nog and Rom. Uh, and, uh, they mention Nog mentions, uh, that they had been testing atom bombs and stuff, that he'd read about that on our data pad. There's a good part where Quark's just like, they're irradiating their own planet? Uh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> we need to get out of here. Yeah, there's a lot of Quark, um, just being a smarmy, greasy pile of trash, just trying yes. to, like... Just scam these ruse, but then also go and like and stop smoking for God's sake! You're yes. killing yourselves. Yeah, one part the character's smoking is like, what's that smell? And Nog's like, it's tobacco. Uh, repeated usage destroys the internal organs. Where do they get it? They buy it in stores. They buy poison. They'll buy anything. And then yeah. it gives them a great. It gives him a gribble of an idea. Yeah, and that idea is, uh, well, I got a lot of chemocyte that I need to offload. Uh, I will just tell these people that I'm a, an, a member of an advanced species, which is not exactly a lie, uh, but that he is going to advance the human race uh, by hundreds and hundreds of years and, and teach them how to basically, you know, make food and weapons out of thin air. It's going to sell them holographic porn. <laughs> yeah. Teach them how to make That's their own holoporn. Uh, so he's, he, when he's able to communicate everything again, he's explaining this to uh, the military man, and he does not believe it. He lets Quark uh, kind of get through his whole thing, and he's just like, hey, you remind me of my like brother-in-law, who's a used car salesman. That dude's a prick, and you're a prick too. <laughs> So I'm going to call the president, and I'm going to uh, really hope he tells me that I can just cut you up. It's the really good exchange, because he is not having Quark's whole shtick. Yeah, not not even a little bit. Um, so, I'm trying to remember... I, oh, so I did miss a, a bit here that I really liked, where they mention... Um, they think they're in the divine treasury at first. Oh, right. Yeah. Which is obviously the Frankie version of heaven. Mm -hmm. uh, it's come up before. Um, but I'm trying to remember if we've ever got to mention that their version of hell is the vault of eternal destitution. I don't think so. Which is so good. Yeah. Frankie hell is just you wearing like a bucket with suspenders. <laughs> Frankie Heaven is you becoming the Monopoly Man. <laughs> That's right. Every single day waking up to find out that the bank has made an error in your favor. <laughs> Just collecting taxes every day. Ah, oh, this is the good life. 
Uh, oh, also they continually mistake uh, all the military people as being Australian, which I really like too. Uh, but uh, Cork yes. does eventually figure out, uh, like, oh, okay, you're America, you're at war with Russia, and hey, if you don't want to buy our goods, we can always go over well, to... He doesn't really figure it out. Like, for one thing, he calls them Australian, and the general says American, and Cork's just like, yeah, whatever. And the general's oh, yeah. the one who brings Russia up. Like, he says, like, we'll take it elsewhere, and he's like, what, to Russia? Y- y- yeah, yeah. Russia. The court doesn't know any of this crap. That's a good point. I forgot about that. Uh, but he's ultimately uh, sent back, and uh, is a bit dejected that things did not really work out his way. Um, and I think this is when a horribly green screened in German shepherd jumps up <laughs> on Cork who awkwardly reacts to it because clearly there's nothing there no. um Holy but this dog this this good boy this very very good boy best boy in the world is actually Odo who again is a good boy smooth cop yeah Odo's just like I'm here I fucking busted you I'm taking you to jail I'm not Yes, I'm not sure how he thinks that would work. Also, luckily there is nobody on the other side of the one-way mirror to, like, witness this dog turning into a smooth man. Yes. Oh god, I love Odo so much. He He's looks pretty like good. A, he looks like a Muppet. Yeah. Looks, it looks like he crawled his way out of the Jim Henson Creature Workshop. Like, I wasn't too much of a fan of Odo to begin with, and all the stuff of him with the rest of the Changelings really sucks. But, uh, I'll tell you, Worf showing up really makes him look a lot better. Because I will take Smooth Cop over Bumpy Cop any day. Yeah. Like, you remember that uh... episode just uh, a couple episodes ago where there was, like, this whole bit with Quark going to make a deal... With somebody else, he was, uh, it was again something about contraband, and Worf just keeps going like, "Odo, Quark is up to something. I know it. I've been spying on him." And Odo's just like, "Yes, I'm Worf. We know. Gray, go away. I'll take care of it." And then Worf just like busts in on this deal happening, and then Odo shows up. And he's like, "Wow, great. Thanks. This was a sting operation. You doofus. You ruined everything." I hate Worf. <laughs> I love Worf. <laughs> of course you do. Uh, I want to read this bit directly from... Uh, look, I know we've had a lot of problems with Memory Alpha uh, yeah. before. It's not the most well-maintained wiki in the world. Uh, <laughs> but... Yeah. Look, there's a lot of times here where the director's notes are not filled in. It's a fucking bummer. Sure. Um, I really miss our Gene Roddenberry says segments on this show, and unfortunately we are not going to get any more of that. Well, um, unfortunately for you, I'm the one who had to read them. And mm-hmm. Boy, Roddenberry had a lot to say about women specifically. Yes, he did. <laughs> uh, but I do want to read this bit. Um, Rom has just told the doctor that women on Fring... Fring I can never pronounce it. Fringanar? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, go around naked, and it is the law. Because of course, Ron would say that. 
Nurse Garland tells him she's never visiting there, and neither is he. Uh, Nog manipulates Garland into innocently giving him Umox. Uh-huh. Umox. Which I don't need to tell you what that is. No, you do not. It's rubbing on them ears. I do really like this bit, though, where uh, uh, Rom sees Nog getting the Umox, and he's just like, you know, my ear is also feeling... I... Please... And then she just leaves. Please touch me. <laughs> Sorry, Rom. Yeah. Uh, so, I, the reason I pulled this up is I'm trying to remember the exact explanation about how this whole plot of theirs uh, works. Um, so I wanted to just kind of read it directly here. Um, their, their ship is damaged, uh, but the engines are functional, and so they need to get it away from the base. Uh, so Nog says they'll be stuck 400 years in the past, Rom tells them that all there uh, tells them all that there is enough chemocyte left. If he can find a powerful enough energy source, he might be able to trigger a temporal surge in the subspace continuum to recreate the same kind of time warp that deposited them in this time period. Basically, they are going to wait uh, wait until they do a atomic test and then ride the mushroom cloud into the future. Yes. Also, this like near the end, like you're skipping a lot. I don't think they have, like, the interrogation yet at that point, though, do they? Uh, they mention all this stuff, like, once they're out and, like, about to leave. Oh. Okay, I guess the interrogation. I thought this happened before the interrogation. No. Well, there's an interrogation scene um, where <laughs> they tie they tie our, uh, the Ferengis down and uh, basically start threatening to cut up Quark. Uh, to see what makes Tie me down, Ferengi boy. Tie me down. <laughs> I don't remember how that song goes. It turns out. Good thing <laughs> I started it. You got, you got a few bars into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, their ruse is quickly falling apart because Quark is just like, no, 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 no. Don't cut me up. I'm sorry. My bad. We're actually just stranded here. Um, Rom is just crying and pissing himself. <laughs> Meanwhile, Nog and is just like for his mom. Yes, Moogie, and but Nog is just like, "Why you think these hands have been soaking in ivory liquid?" <laughs> yeah, Nog's whole thing is just like, "Oh, we're actually an advance party for a Ferengi invasion, and uh, they're coming." So, untie me, and I'll point out on the map where the invasion's going to happen. And this fucking dullard, this fucking stupid ass, unties him, <laughs> takes him over to the map. He's like, show me where, and Nog's just like, right here, motherfucker, and punches him in the stomach. <laughs> yes. Well, first he's like, uh, it's here next to this blue blob. He's like, you're invading Cleveland? And then, yes, he <laughs> smacks him. Uh, also, they gave Quark five shots of sodium pentothal. And he's just like, please, oh, yeah. stop, stop. I like how they're just like, it doesn't even work on him. He's just scared of needles. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, so they all start getting busted out there by the uh, the goober couple. Um, and they're just like, you know, what's going to happen if they find out that you did this? And they're just like, oh, well, you know, you got you, devious mind controls at play, so. Uh-huh. Sure. Was it mind control that made you rub their ears down, honey? Yes. 
Definitely. Can we talk about that? And second, yeah, second guess on the wedding date. There, there's also a part I don't remember if it was here or earlier. Uh, there's a bit where the general like comes back and he's like, "Yeah, we're gonna have to execute him. That piano playing Democrat is smarter than he looks, or something." <laughs> I think that was earlier, uh, but I just really like how he described Truman that way. Yeah, it's pretty damn good. Oh, so yeah, they they start making their uh, making their escape, uh, trying to run back out to their ship so they could do this whole time travel shenanigans thing again. Yeah, just heading out here with uh, Peggy Carter and Agent Doggett. <laughs> yep, making a break for it. Uh, yeah, so they, that's uh, basically when they that there's a bit where they get held up uh by some guards and that's when like Odo shows up and just whips their asses and is like all right let's get out of here just we this... need to go back to normal time so i can like arrest you and put you in jail i like the image of this like very thin old smooth man like beating up these guys <laughs> he just gives yeah. them a double axe handle at one point god i didn't Odo is savage. I mean, we've seen this plenty of times leading up to this, but yeah. it never gets old. And never gets uh, not surprising. True. He always that has an element of surprise. Oh, yeah. He's like the Joker. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> Sick and twisted. Want to know how I got this smooth? <laughs> <laughs> it was an accident in an industrial steam press. It fell into it, and I came out this way. My wife used a new moisturizer. It made her skin very taut, so I did the same to myself, and now she can't stand the side of me. <laughs> he used uh, one of those things in infomercials that are just like a vibrating thing you put under your chin, except he just did it all over his face. <laughs> I, was gonna, I thought you were going to say one of the ones that you put like around your belt, like around your waist. <laughs> oh, yeah. To lose weight. But he got confused. Yeah. Odo's <laughs> just tossing the medicine ball around. Court goes into Odo's office and Odo just has like a belt sander and he's just rubbing <laughs> it around his head. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to take care of yourself. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, he he needs to look fresh for that Dark Crystal reboot. Oh, I'm excited for that. Yeah, it looks pretty good. It's not reboot, uh, by the way. The sequel. Yeah, a new show. I yeah, I I misspoke. Um, but yeah, they they get on uh, the ship fairly effortlessly after that. They they say their goodbyes, and this is the bit where you know he's going like, "Shut up, Rom." Uh, Rom, but they don't take blow off our cover. Yeah, they this take off. They fly into the mushroom cloud, uh, and they all die. The end. Turns out you can't fly into an atomic explosion. Thanks, Rom. You killed everyone. That's <laughs> what we get for listening to him. <laughs> He's with the angels now. <laughs> He's a. <laughs> He's in the grand treasury. The Frankies and Odo are with Spock in heaven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, they, they make it back to the DS9, and uh, 
Quark is upset that his that this did not go according to plan because his plan ultimately was to rule the human race and just fuck up the timeline real good. He yep. does not care. Uh, but you know, he still has his bar, and uh, he can uh, he can. I I think he's going to like sell his ship. I can't really remember what they're going to do with that, but uh, it doesn't matter anyway. Pizzotto's busting him for chemocide smuggling. That's right. It's a very serious crime. And yeah, like Quark has his bar, but like he's not into it. Like that bar is just an albatross around his neck, like this podcast is for us. And he just wants out. He wants anything but that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh little green men. That's it. Yeah. Uh what is there anything else that we, we forgot to touch on? Anything that we needed to do? I don't think so. We just uh, coming back next week for the uh, Sword of Kalis. Kalis, but uh, yes. Well, excuse me. Boy, uh, it, it's I... been long established in this podcast that I can't pronounce any of these fucking names. That's true. And uh, like, not to spoil anything, but obviously since we're all familiar with the series, uh, that episode's bad. So next week's gonna be bad. Yeah. On that note, I guess we're just signing off. That's it. Yeah, well, you know, I I don't think we have any games or anything that we could really play. Maybe that's something we should do. Maybe we should do, like, some sort of, uh, like, a roulette-style thing with, like, another show. Nah, that'd never work. What about... I've never seen any Battlestar Galactica, and I know that that has a very deep, very rich lore. What if we, like, what if we did Battlestar Galactica roulette? That sounds terrible. All right, we'll be back next week for a bad episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Battlestar Galactica roulette. No! No, yes! we're not! No! Yes, <laughs> we are! To. We're doing it! Oh, no... <laughs> Ride this podcast into the atomic blast. We'll be Jesus back next Christ. week. <laughs> I can hate you. I hate this. I hate everything about it. Yell the thing. Scream the the podcast name where we can't end. Star tracking. Deep Space Nine podcast. Who's your favorite Christopher Pike? Who's my favorite Christopher Pike? Yeah. Uh, probably Bruce Greenwood, I would guess. Okay. Like, is that what you mean? Like, the favorite, like, actor? Yeah, favorite actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably yeah. Bruce Greenwood. Okay. That's all I got. <laughs> okay, great.
Dad, what's going on? Daddy's gotta go to work. <laughs> 